Ruchim welcome everyone. What an honor, what a pleasure and privilege it is to once again participate in Beth Jacob's annual adult learning program. It is really a zuchus for me to be able to share some Divrei Torah with you. This year the subject matter is the Asar Sadibrois, and I have the honor of speaking about the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. This class is sponsored by Rab Aaron and Gitti Golding in honor of one of my dearest friends, one of the people in this world that I admire more than anyone, Rab Gedalia Schwartz, Dr. Gedalia Schwartz, who is involved on a daily basis in disseminating Taira, disseminating Shurim, and I want to offer Rab Gedalia my humble brachas for success for him and his whole family, good health, Parnasa Berevach, Fiyimali Hashem, Kol Meshalois, Libai, Letoiva. This year is also sponsored by Stewie and Rhoda Gleischer in honor of their parents, Label Ben Yitzchak Halevi, whose yard side is on the 15th of Teves, Hinda Bas Yidel Machal, yard side on the 28th of Teves, Moshe Ben Avraham of the 6th of Iyar, and Eta Bas Joseph on the 16th of Tammuz, and in honor of Rabbi Emmanuel and Rebetzin Estelle Feldman, Rabbi Yisrael and Rebetzin Libby Horowitz, and Rabbi Yitzchak and Rebetzin Badya Goodman. Okay, good evening everyone, and it is my good fortune to share with you some thoughts about the mitzvah of Kibbut Abba'im. And instead of speaking about, perhaps, about some of the minutia or some of the halachos, I would like to present to you the mitzvah of Kibbut Abba'im in a historical context, understanding its role in the development of the Jewish people and in the destiny of the Jewish people. Let's begin with our patriarch, Yaakov Avinu. You know, Yaakov Avinu comes into the world in an unusual set of circumstances. Yaakov Avinu was born, of course, together with his twin brother, Esav, and they're vying already in utero. And Esav comes out first, and the Pasuk says, And afterwards his brother came out. And Yaakov's hand was grabbing onto the heel of Esav. And therefore, therefore they called his name Yaakov, because he was holding on to the heel of Esav. Can I ask you a simple question? Is this moment in the life of Yaakov so seminal that they named him because he's holding on to the heel of Esav? I mean, we know how important a name is. A name is supposed to capture the essence of something. Our sages tell us that when Adam was created, so the angels said to God, God, who, who is this guy? What is this? So God said, His wisdom is greater than yours. The angels said, How so? So God paraded before Adam all the various animals. And Adam said, this is a chamar, this is a donkey, this is a sus, this is a horse, this is a gamal, this is a camel. And the angels were amazed. And then the angels said, and, and what's his name? And Adam said, my name should be Adam because I was created minho Adama from the earth. And God said, and what's my name? 
And Adam said, your name is Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, Adoy, and then Noi, because you're the master of everything. And the angels conceded, yeah, that indeed, Adam's wisdom was greater than theirs. Why? Because he had the great Chachma to be able to give a name. A name is something that captures the essence of something. With the word Chamar, or Sus, Adam Arishan was able to probe the depth of the character and the personality of that particular animal and give it that name. So, was it such a seminal moment in the life of Yaakov Avinu that he was holding on to Esav's heel, so his name is now Heel? I mean, it doesn't sound very nice. Why would we name him Akev Yaakov? By the way, why was he holding on to the heel of Esav? Why isn't he holding on to his nose or some other part of his body? Why is he grabbing the heel? So it's interesting, Toysus writes, because Esav is represented by the pig. And the pig has one redeeming quality, has one kosher symbol. It has split hooves. So Esav's heel, his foot, was the kosher symbol of Esav, the split hooves of Esav. So Yaakov is only touching and coming into contact with the one part of Esav that is still pure. The Yisnach Moshe writes just the opposite, that Yaakov was holding on by holding on to his heel, so that infused sanctity into the foot of Esav, that's why the pig has split hooves, because Yaakov was holding on to it, and it transformed the foot of Esav into something that is redeemable. But, you know, it's interesting, why don't we call him Akev? After all, he's named Yaakov because he was holding on to the heel of Esav, so call him heel, straight up, where did the Yud come from? By the same token, why is Esav called Esav? Because he was born fully formed, he was hairy, he was asoy, made. Rashi says that he's called Esav because he's asoy, he's made. So why call him Esav? Where did the Yud go? So Yaakov has an extra Yud, and Esav is missing the Yud. He should be called Asoy. Megala Amukais, one of the early Mikubalim, he says, well actually, Esav was originally spelled Ayin, Sin, Vav, Yud. The tail end of Esav was the Yud. Yaakov was holding on to the heel, he was holding on to the Yud of Esav, and he grabbed the Yud from Esav, and he took it for himself. And the symbolism of that Yud is very compelling and striking, namely, Ki Hashem Tzor Eilamim. God created matter with ka, yud and he. He he created this world, yud he created the world to come. The yud represents oilam haba. Yaakov wanted his life to be focused on the world to come and he grabbed the yud away from Esav and he forged it and he fused it onto his own name. But this is all a digression. The question is, why was Yaakov holding on to the heel of Esav so seminal in the life of Yaakov that he's named after that important event? So, I recently uh, celebrated the Bar Mitzvah of my, my son, Naftali. So, I was in the mode of thinking about Bar Mitzvahs. And one thing I saw in some of my research is that when a Bar Mitzvah boy would visit the great Talmud Chacham, 
of our time, Reb Chaim Knievsky, Zecher Tzak Levracha. And a boy would ask Reb Chaim, you know, now I'm becoming Bar Mitzvah, is there any one particular mitzvah that I should focus on, not to the exclusion of other mitzvahs, but to place special emphasis on, Reb Chaim Knievsky would always say, focus on honor your father and mother. And Reb Chaim would quote a statement of the Yushalmi that gives an example of someone who focuses on a particular mitzvah. The mitzvah the Yushalmi gives is honor your father and mother. And that's certainly worthy of our attention. Why, of all the mitzvahs, would Reb Chaim encourage Bar Mitzvah boy to focus on the mitzvah of Kabeda Savicha Vyasimecha? Furthermore, I uh, encountered a very interesting story about the Chazonish. Chazonish was Reb Chaim Knievsky's uh, illustrious and saintly uncle, one of the great halachic decisors of the 20th century. And the Chazonish was once giving a farhera, giving a test to the young boys in the yeshiva and the cheder in Bnei Brak. And he was asking them various questions about what they were learning. And one kid raises an ooh, ooh, ooh. And the Rebbe tried to motion, you know, put your hand down. The Chazoinish, he asks you the questions. You, you, you don't ask him the questions. But the boy would not let up. Ooh, so the Chazoinish said, well, you know, I see uh, you have a question you want to ask. Um, listen, hold on to the question. I'll be happy to answer it after the test. So after the test was over, the boy, uh, he's raising his hand. Yeah, what would you like to ask? He says, Rebbe, how did you become the Chazoinish? And this must have been the toughest question Chazoinish ever got in his life. How did he become the Chazoinish? How is he supposed to answer that? I mean, is there a way to answer that question within the realm of modesty? And Chazoinish thought for a few long and hard seconds, and he says it was in the merit of the honor I displayed to my parents. And that's also worthy of our attention. We understand Kabir Sabicha Vyasimecha is fundamental, it's in the Ten Commandments, but that it should be that it is responsible for propelling this individual to become one of the greatest Torah sages in our history. What is so critical about Kibar Avaim? You know, Rabbi Aaron Leib Steinman, also one of the great tzaddikim of the 20th century of B'nai Brak, he observes a remarkable phenomenon. You know, my father, should live and be well, he grew up very differently than I did. I grew up, I had Baruch Hashem parents, and I had four grandparents. I knew all my grandparents. I even knew some of my great-grandparents. My children, Baruch Hashem, they have uh, four grandparents and they had many, many great-grandparents. But my father, growing up, he not only didn't have great-grandparents, he didn't have grandparents. My, uh, gra my, gr my grandparents, his parents were our Holocaust survivors and their parents did not survive. And Rabbi Leif Steinman points out a very unusual phenomenon that in our times we have a unique opportunity and phenomenon that many many people 
grow up, many children grow up with grandparents, with great-grandparents, and in the generation before, this was unheard of. In my parents' class, it was a rarity to have grandparents. And nowadays, it's commonplace. And Rabbi Aaron Leib Steinman offered the following insight. Says Rabbi Aaron Leib Steinman, we're now in the final generation before the coming of Mashiach. And we need to overcome our enemies, we need to overcome Esav. And we need to deliver the final knockout punch to Esav. And you see Esav, Esav today, Rome, the Western world, the philosophies that are antithetical to the values of the Torah. There is one mitzvah, although they may be bereft of zechusim, of merit, there is one mitzvah that fuels them. Esav is always fueled by one particular mitzvah that he excelled in, in an unparalleled way. We know when Yaakov Avinu was coming back from the house of Lavan and he was going to face Esav, the Pasuk says, Vayira Yaakov Ma'od, Yaakov was very afraid. And our sages tell us that Yaakov was afraid because Esav was bolstered, was supported by the merit of Kibbut of Aim. Nobody honored their father like Esav. Even Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, the great Tana, said that I don't hold a candle to Esav in the realm of Kibbut Abayim, because Esav would honor his father wearing special begadim, special clothing. And I'm just not on that level to do that. And therefore, in order to overcome the merit of Esav in the last generation, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to provide us with extra opportunity to be Mekayim, the mitzvah of honor your father and mother. And therefore, in our generation, you have sometimes grandparents who are still caring for their elderly parents. This is a, a phenomenon that is unheard of in uh, the entire history of the Jewish people. And the answer and the explanation, says Rabbi Aaron Leib Steinman, is in order to deliver the final knockout punch to Esav. The Rabbi grants us in the 21st century extra opportunity that our parents, our grandparents live longer so that we could honor them longer to be able to deliver the final knockout punch to Esav. What an astounding revelation, what an astounding insight. But we have to ask ourselves, why is it that the battleground between the Jewish people and the nations of the world is over this mitzvah of honor your father and mother. Why is this the fundamental mitzvah That's, that we're vying against Esav, that is, that is bolstering Esav, that is supporting Esav, that we have to now excel in in order to deliver this final knockout punch before Mashiach comes. You know, it's very interesting that when Yaakov Avinu, masqueraded as Esav, comes in to bring his father the meal, to be able to get the brachos. So Yitzchak Avinu says, he takes a deep breath and he smells the, the aroma of what Yaakov is bringing into the room. And the Pasuk says, Re'ei re'ach b'ni kereach sada Hashem. See this aroma, my son. It's like the aroma of a field that God has blessed. Rashi comments, Melamed Shenichnesa Imai Reach Ganeden. From here we see that with Yaakov Avinu enters the aroma of the Garden of Eden. Yaakov Avinu was coming in to serve his father, to bring his father a delicious meal, and accompanying Yaakov Avinu was the delectable 
aroma, fragrance of the Garden of Eden. Why? Why was that fragrance accompanying Yaakov Avinu? Certainly Yaakov Avinu was fulfilling the mitzvah of Kibbut Avaim, but we don't find any other performance of a mitzvah that is accompanied by the aroma of the Garden of Eden. Let's discuss briefly who is the nemesis of Esav? Who is the force that counteracts Esav? Who is the force that destroys Esav? So if you remember, Yaakov got married and he had Ruvain, he had Shimon, he had Levi, he had Yehuda, he had Yisachar, he has Avulan, and he's still living with his in-laws. I mean, that is a lot of time to spend with the in-laws. You know, people, they have a baby or two, and that's usually the time that people go home. Now Yaakov, one after another. But the Pesach says, Vayihi kasher yolda Rachel as Yosef. When Rachel gave birth to Yosef, what happened? Vayoymer Yaakov elavon. Yaakov says to Lavan, Shalacheni. Send me away. Send me away. And I'm going to go to my place and to my land. What happened when Yosef was born? It's interesting, Rashi tells us that Yosef is the nemesis of Esav. Yosef is the counterforce to Esav. He's what we call Sitnai Shal Esav. Yaakov is akin to a fire. Yosef is the flame. Esav is the straw. So when Yosef was born, the force to be able to destroy Esav was now present. So Yaakov said, okay, now I could face my brother Esav. That's interesting. Uh, if we could suggest, why was Rachel, why did she have the merit to produce the nemesis of Esav, the destructive force of Esav? We could suggest that Lavan had two daughters, Rachel and Leah. And the word on the street was Leah was going to marry Esav and Rachel was going to marry Yaakov. And when Rachel allowed Yaakov to marry Leah, so she's now endangering herself to fall into the lot of Esav. Because Leah was going to marry Esav. But now that her sister's marrying Yaakov, now maybe she's going to marry Esav. After all, it's very interesting that when later on in life, when Rachel could not conceive, and finally she had Yosef, so she named him Yosef, that now that she has a child, she doesn't have to worry that Yaakov would banish her and she would have to marry Esav. So we see that there was a real possibility that Rachel would have to marry Esav. So think about what Rachel did by allowing her sister to marry Yaakov. She placed herself in jeopardy of falling into the lot of Esav. So Hashem says, Rachel, you gave up of yourself to be able to give your sister this opportunity. You were maver al-midoisav. You gave up your destiny and you gave it to your sister so she shouldn't be ashamed. Not only are you going to not fall into the lot of Esav, you will merit to have a son who, who will destroy Esav. By the way, it's, it's interesting. When Yaakov Avinu found out later that Yosef was still alive, 
the language that Yaakov Avinu uses is Vayoimer Yisrael Rav Oid Yosef Beni Chai. Rav Oid Yosef Beni Chai. And Rashi's bothered. What do these words mean? Rav and Oid. Rav Oid Yosef Beni Chai. The Truma Sadashan explains that the word Rav has a specific reference. The word Rav is what we call Esav. The Rav Yaavoid Tsair. The older brother will serve the younger brother. Says the Chuma Sadashan. When Yaakov found out that Yosef was still alive, he sent a message to Rav. Who's Rav? Esav. He said, Rav! Esav! Oid Yosef Benichai, watch out! Yosef's still alive! I didn't go down! We're gonna get you! We're gonna destroy you! Rav! Esav! Oid Yosef Benichai! So, Yosef is the destroyer of Esav. He's the nemesis of Esav. So, we would expect that if Yosef ever encounters Esav, and by the way, it's interesting. We have an idea in Jewish thought there are two Mashiachs. There's Mashiach ben David and Mashiach ben Yosef. And the Vilna Gaon writes, Mashiach ben Yosef will take us out of Galos Esav. Because Yosef is compared to a shar, an ox, and Esav is compared to a parable, similar. As opposed to Mashiach ben David will take us out of Galos Yishmael. Yishmael is compared to a chamar. And Mashiach ben David is Oni v'roichev al chamar. They're both compared to the chamar. So we see that Esav is the nemesis, the destructive force that will eradicate Esav. So the question is, did Yosef ever meet Esav? Because if there was ever an encounter between Yosef and Esav, we would expect that to be the battle of the titans. That would be the, the battle of the century. Did Yosef ever meet Esav? The answer is yeah. When Yaakov Avinu was returning from the house of Lavan. So it says that Esav met Bila and her children, Zilpa and her children, Leah and her children, Viachar, Cain, Nigash, Yosef, Rachel. And then he encountered Yosef and Rachel. And what did Yosef say to Esav? Did Yosef and Esav go at it? There's not one word of interaction between Yosef and Esav. Isn't that unusual? If Yosef is a destructive force of Esav, isn't it unusual that Yosef did not say anything to Esav? Let's explain this further. When we say that Yosef is the nemesis of Esav, well, if Esav's kayach, if his power emanates from the mitzvah of honoring his father, then it has to be that Yosef is able to match him in this area. In fact, we mentioned that Esav excelled in Kibbut Avaim, but that is the great merit of Yosef as well. Esav served his father in special begadim. Listen to how the Sefer Shevet Musar of Rabbi Leo HaKoyin of Izmir reads the Pasuk. The Yisrael Ahaves Yosef Mikol Banov Ki Ben Zikunim Hu Loi Ve'asa Loi Kisoynes Pasim Literally, Yaakov loved Yosef, so he made him special clothing, says the Shevet Musar. 
Yaakov loved Yosef, you know why? The Asaloi Kisoynes Pasim. Yosef made for himself a special garment with which to serve his father so that Yosef would be empowered to destroy Esav. You know how great Esav excelled in Kibra Aim? When Esav decided to sell the birthright to Yaakov, he said to himself, eh, Anyway, I'm going to die. Why did Esav say, eh, Anyway, I'm going to die? So, the Sefer Shevet Musar writes in, 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 in uh, a different Sefer, he writes it in the Sefer Medrash Talpiyais, that Esav thought that he would die through the midst of Kibbutz Aim. You know why Esav went hunting every day? He went hunting to be able to catch delicious meat for his father. And hunting is a dangerous activity. You have to go out in the bush, your, your life is in peril. So Esav figured that one day, sooner or later, he, his life would be taken. So we see that Esav daily risked his life to honor his father. And in fact, on that day, that Yitzchak asked Esav, could you catch me some venison, catch me a catch? Esav said the word, Hineni, behold, here I am. Now, behold, here I am, has a very spe a specific connotation. Who said, behold, here I am? Yitzchak said that at the Akedah. And that is what Esav was doing. He was risking his life to service his father. Esav was risking his life to service his father. And therefore he said, Hineni, meaning, I'm going to counteract the Akedah. It's interesting. What was the merit of the Akedah? Rabbi David Tevel says the merit of the Akedah was not that Avraham was willing to shecht Yitzchak. Hashem told Avraham to do it. So if God commanded him, well, he has no choice. What's he supposed to do? He had an explicit command from God. The zechus of the Akedah is the zechus of Kibbet Avaim. That Yitzchak listened to his father when his father came and he said, you know, God came to me. Yitzchak could have said, oh, it's very nice, Dad. Have a nice day. Go fly a kite. He had the respect to trust his father that indeed the, the Almighty appeared to him. So Yosef has to counteract the Kibbet Avaim of Esav. And therefore, on that fateful day, Yaakov Avinu calls Yosef. He says, Yosef, Lech Would you mind go finding out about the whereabouts and the welfare of your brother and the sheep? Yosef knew he was endangering his life. His life would be in peril. The brothers were going to try to kill him. But Yosef responds, Hineni, behold, here I am. Yosef has to counteract the Kibbutz aim of Esav, measure for measure. This is a historic battle. They're at it throughout the generations. Yosef against Esav. By the way, you know, we mentioned that Rabbi Aaron Leib Steinman pointed out that in our generation we have this unique phenomenon where grandparents often still have the opportunity to honor their own parents. But I think it's important to point out not to be down, not to be despondent if a person does not have that opportunity. Because on the converse, you know, we find by the story of Purim 
that Esther was a woman who had no father and no mother. And the Medrash says not only did she have no father and no mother, but God takes an oath that the Redeemer in the times of Purim could only be someone who has no father and no mother. Now why would that be? Why could the Redeemer only be someone who has no father or no mother? Interesting, Rabbi Yonis and Ibishitz writes, similar to what we're saying, but, some, but in a way the exact opposite, that the mitzvah of honoring your father and mother is such a difficult mitzvah. The Gemara says a frightening statement that one Amoira said, and you have to understand and, and the context of it, but fortunate is someone who does not have a father or mother because it's a nearly impossible mitzvah to fulfill properly. And Rabbi Yonasin Ibishitz writes that while Haman in the times of Purim were, was fueled and bolstered by the kibbutz Av of his patriarch and ancestor Esav, in order for the Jewish people to combat that and counteract that, we need someone who has the mitzvah of in the highest, purest, most perfect sense. And how is that possible? Only someone who never saw their father and mother could have the highest level of kibbutz avaim. How so? How is that possible? So Rabbi Yonatan explains as follows. You know, there's a principle in the Gemara if somebody thinks to do a mitzvah, desires to do a mitzvah, yearns to do a mitzvah, and circumstances do not allow them, Hashem considers it as if they fulfilled the mitzvah. This is called chishev la'asais mitzvah, if one thinks to do a mitzvah, v'ne'enas, and they have an oines, they're extenuating circumstances, mala'olav kilo'asa, it's considered as if they did the mitzvah. But when God gifts you the mitzvah, what kind of mitzvah do you think He gifts you? He doesn't gift you a regular human mitzvah. You see, all the mitzvahs we do, even if we fulfill all the minutia of the mitzvah and all the details of the mitzvah, the mitzvah is going to be mitigated and limited by human shortcoming. It will never be with perfect love of God, with maximum fear of God, with awe, with dveikos. We're flesh and blood, and therefore our actions are never perfect. But when God sees somebody wanted to do a mitzvah, and He will reckon it as if they did the mitzvah, the type of mitzvah Yibam bestows on the person is the perfect mitzvah. So the only one in the times of Purim who could counteract the of an Esav who fueled and bolstered Haman is a woman like Esther who had no father and had no mother. So. The truth is, whatever circumstance you find yourself in life, if you're fortunate to have a father and mother, and you're fortunate that you could help them, realize this is the greatest gift in your life, because this is what will bring the Jewish people to the finish line and overcome and vanquish the forces of Esav. And if you don't have the good fortune to have parents, then realize that the chesed in it is try to yearn and wish you could fulfill the mitzvah of Kibra Va'im, and then in a sense, you'll be credited with that, with that mitzvah in an even greater sense of someone who actually fulfilled it. But coming back to Esav and Yosef, and this great historic battle of whose Kibra Va'im will carry the day, 
Although Esau honored his father in the most glorious way, there were a few ways that Esau's kibbut of Aim was lacking. First of all, Esau only honored his father when his father was alive. But he always awaited the day that his father would die so that he could kill Yaakov because he didn't believe in honor of your father and mother after they die. Even though our sages tell us that even more important than honoring them when they're alive is honoring them after they pass on. That's why we say Kaddish for a parent or we learn Le'ilei Nishmasam where we do mitzvahs in their merit. But there's one fatal flaw in the Kibbut of Aim of Esav. And that is even though Esav would give up his life for his father, but he never honored his mother. He didn't get along with his mother. In fact, Ramban writes that when Rivka passed away, Esav didn't go to her funeral because he hated her. So while Esav in the realm of Kibbut Av was the paragon, the quintessential performer of this mitzvah, he failed in the realm of Kibbutim. And therefore, a beautiful insight we could suggest is that in that historic encounter between Esav and Yosef, remember the Pesukim say that Esav encountered Leah and her children, and Bila and her children, and Zilpah and her children. nigash Yosef v'Rachel. Then Yosef approached with Rachel. And Rashi's bothered. Why Yosef and then Rachel? All the other mothers, first they approached and then their children. They were being protective of their children. No. Yosef said, my mother's very beautiful. I don't want this monster laying his dirty eyes on my mother. So Yosef stood up and he elevated himself and he blocked the view of Esau to Rachel. But I believe that's a very telling encounter. What Yosef, without saying a word, was telling Esau is while you may excel in Kibbut Av, but I'm going to destroy you. Watch! Look at the care, the concern, the protection that I give my mother. And in that brief encounter, I believe Yosef delivered a major blow to Esau. You honor your father. But I am so careful not only to honor my father, but to honor my mother. It occurred to me, you know, if you look in the Psukim, when Yaakov Avinu runs away to the house of Lavan, the Pasuk says, Vayihi kasher, this is in Perkhav Tes Pasuk Yud. When Yaakov saw Rachel, the daughter of Lavan, the brother of his mother, and the sheep of Lavan, the brother of his mother. And Yaakov approached and he uncovered the stone and he gave to drink the sheep of Lavan, the brother of his mother. How many times is it going to say that Lavan's the brother of his mother? We got it already. We know who Lavan is. Why every time do we have to say how Lavan is the brother of his mother? Our Chaim HaKadosh says, it's the Torah's emphasizing that every little interaction that Yaakov had with Lavan, he was mechavin, he had in mind, to honor his mother who said that, she should, that he should go to Lavan's house. So every time he encountered and involved himself with Lavan, he always reminded himself, this is the brother of my mother, this is the brother of my mother. I'm doing this to honor my mother. I'm doing this to honor my mother. 
It was so important for Yaakov to honor his mother. Why was that so important? Based on what we're learning, it becomes clear because Yaakov understood that while Esau excelled in Kibbet Av, in order to knock out Esau, that we, the Jewish people, have to be excellent not only in honoring our father, but honoring our mother as well. And we could say that the honor that Yosef displayed to his mother was so essential to his reality. Why is he called Yosef? The word Yosef means Asaf Hashem Eschar Pasi. Asaf Hashem Eschar Pasi. Asaf Hashem Eschar Pasi means Rachel had no children. God covered up my shame. In other words, Yosef's whole reality was to protect his mother. That's the essence of Yosef. The essence of Yosef, in order to destroy Esav, is to protect his mother. Let's come back to what we asked. Why is Kibbut Abba'im such an essential mitzvah that the battleground between the Jewish people and our enemies is dependent on honor your father and mother. That is what bolstered Haman in the times of Purim. That is what Yaakov was scared of from Esav. And Yaakov spent so many years working on Kibbut Aim in order to overcome Esav. It seemed, and as Rabbi Aaron Leib Steinman is saying, that we're in the final generation, what's going to deliver the final knockout blow to Esav is Kibbut Ava Aim. Why is this the crux? Why? There's so many mitzvahs in the Torah. Is this really the most important in, as in a historic sense of the battle between Yaakov and Esav? Says Rav Shimon Schwab, this is quoted in the Sefer Alehi Gayon. That when Adam ate from the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden, he downgraded the whole world. He impugned the world. The entire world plummeted. Now man has to die. Now man has to earn a livelihood. Now there is suffering in childbirth and childrearing. Not only did he impugn the world, he impugned creation and all the mitzvahs of the Torah. He impugned man. He impugned reality. There's one mitzvah Adam did not defile. And that is kibud of va'im. Why is that? Because one thing Adam did not have in the Garden of Eden is he didn't have a father and a mother. And therefore the concept of kibud of aim was unaffected from the sin of Adam. And therefore it remains in its pristine form. And therefore we could suggest that the mitzvah that will bring us back and rectify the world, and bring the world back to the level it was supposed to be on. When God created the world, it's all dependent on kabed esavicha v'yasimecha. That's a mitzvah that retains its most pristine form of all the mitzvahs in the Torah. Says Rabbi Shimon Shwab, that's the reason why when Yaakov Avinu came in to bring the dinner to, to his father, his father smelled the scent of Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden. This is what the Garden of Eden smelled like before the sin of Adam HaRishon. Because if you want to know what retains the original scent of the Garden of Eden, it's honor your father and your mother. That is why the historic battleground between Yaakov and Esav is over this particular mitzvah. And let us point out a 
I want to share with you an amazing comment of one of the Balei Hatoisis Moishav Zakenim. Why was Yaakov holding on to the foot of Esav? Why is he holding on to the foot? Wait a second. What's the rush? You're not going to win the race anyway. Esav's coming out first, so just wait a second. He said, my mother's having twins. She's going to have to open up her womb twice. It's going to be doubly painful. Let me spare my mother from any extra pain. She'll only open up once, and when Esav comes out, I'll be right behind him to save my mother from tsar and pain. Yaakov was holding on to the heel of Esav to be able to spare his mother tsar. Yes, that was a seminal moment in the life of Yaakov. Yes, this action defines the personality of the Jewish people. Because we don't just kibud av, we're also mechabed aim. We learn it from Yaakov Avinu. Where did Yosef get it from? His name was Yosef. To be asaf to protect his mother, he got it from his father. His father was also named after the protection he offered his mother. As Toysvis explains, he was holding on to the heel of Esav in order to save his mother, Tsar. And I believe if you want to capture the essential difference between Yaakov and Esav, we go to the end of Parshas Taldais. And there, in the final psukim of Toldus, it says, Vayishma Yaakov el aviv Yaakov listened to his father and his mother, and he went to Padan Aram. Vayishma Yaakov el aviv v'el imay to his father and to his mother. Not just el aviv v'imay, father and mother. To both of them. Next pasuk. Vayaris of Esav he saw his father didn't like these women in Canaan, so he went to marry someone else. Yaakov is concerned for the father and the mother. Esav, just the father. That's the difference. Therein lies the difference. You know, the Arizal had a holy custom on Friday night to kiss the hand of his mother. We could suggest... We know that Shabbos in time is what the base Hamikdash is in space. As Shabbos is coming in, that is the time to long for Mashiach. And therefore that Rizal understood that what will really deliver the final knockout blow is to emulate the Midah of Yaakov Avinu, of Yosef HaTzadik, who are concerned not only for their father, but Kabed Es Avicha V'yasimecha. In the merit of us coming together to strengthen ourselves in this fifth commandment, may HaKadosh Baruch Hu grant us the long life and health that come from the mitzvah of Kabbalah Savich Vesimecha. May Hashem lengthen the life of our parents, give us opportunities to fulfill this glorious mitzvah, bring the Jewish people much closer to the finish line, and may we be zoicha to the bracha of Chadesh Yomenu Kekedem. We're, we're back to Gan Eden, and through the mitzvah of Kabira Savicha Vyasimecha will be Zoicha, we will merit the beautiful aroma of Migan Eden, Mikedem, the beautiful aroma of the Garden of Eden. Thank you so much for listening. Bracha Vahatslacha.